What's up, guys? It's Jeremy, and this is episode number five of Backstage Career, the podcast where I interview the people that are working behind the scenes with some of the biggest entrepreneurs and creators out there. In today's episode, I talked to David Kelly, who's the general manager for AppSumo Originals, which is pretty much AppSumo's version of a Google X division. David has one of the coolest jobs out there. He basically gets paid to start companies from scratch. In this episode, we talk about how David landed a job with Ramit Sethi, the New York Times bestselling author of I Will Teach You to Be Rich, early on in his career, and what it was like working with him. Number two, we talk about how he used LinkedIn to network himself into being the first marketing hire for the startup student loan hero, which ended up selling for $60 million. And finally, we talk about what it's like being the GM at AppSumo Originals and getting paid to start all these companies, as well as working with Noah Kagan, the founder of AppSumo. All right, I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dive in. I guess awesome. to get started, I'd love to hear a little background about uh, your career. Yeah. Yeah, it's been an interesting path, man. And, you know, I've been reflecting on this before we started recording, talking about being out of college, right? And I've been out of college 10 years, which is just mind blowing to me. And when I think about the kind of eclectic path that many of us take and all those sayings we hear that you don't know until you're, you're past, like how you connect the dots of your career, I can see that with my own career. So I started as a product manager for News Corp, which has really gone downhill. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I took the job because I had no other opportunities that I really liked. So I dived, dove in, excuse me, to News Corp and really learned quite a bit for three years. And then after that, I moved to San Diego. I managed to get a job with Ramit Sethi at I Will Teach You To Be Rich, which was a dream of mine. He's one of three people that I really wanted to work with, and I've worked with two of them up to today. After that, I managed to find a job at a new startup called Student Loan Heroes, employee number 11, and the first full-time marketer. So I got to see the growth trajectory of a new startup. And then I started working with Noah. And I've been here for three years. And today I'm the general manager of AppSumo Originals, uh, which is about a $3 million a year business. Includes Sumo.com, SendFox, KingSumo, a brand new product we just launched yesterday called TidyCal, and a few more upcoming products. So done a quite a few different things, gone down quite a few different paths. And a lot of them were great. Some of them were mistakes, but I'm happy to talk about all of them. Nice, nice. Um, and that's been h- how long since you graduated? So 10 years. 10 years ago. Which is it's crazy. Here I am, <laughs> a 33-year-old. I can't believe it. <laughs> so we're um, like your first position at uh, News Corp, which I saw on LinkedIn, you listed as Fox now. Did they, did they get acquired? Is that... So News Corp owns Fox Corporation, which is is who I worked for. Gotcha. Um, and it was a really interesting position. And the reason why is because for many of us, and I know we see this when we recently graduated college, we have no idea what to expect, right? So like Fox Corporation generally has a very perceived external view of, of like a very conservative, conservative news station or, or whatnot. I didn't know any of that. I was just like, oh, cool. They're going to pay me money to live in New York <laughs> City and I can not live with my parents and I graduated college and I need to get out. So it's interesting to look at why we just make the decisions we do. Yeah. And what was also interesting is just the perception of what is normal. So as soon as I joined uh, Fox Corporation, I had a $50,000 a month advertising budget and I was in charge of their entire email marketing 
which is funny now looking back at how much I love email marketing, it all kind of started there. But when I look back at that now, having a $50,000 ad budget a month as a 22-year-old, it's like, why would you ever do that? Why would you ever give a 22-year-old that? But it managed to, they managed to make it really uh, a big part of my role. And it ended up being a, a lot of fun and a lot of learning involved. Gotcha. So you, you were actually pretty happy there. It was mixed. It was mixed. And here's why I would say it's mixed, Jeremy, because there's this really interesting saying I heard years and years ago where someone was like, what was the amount of money that it took for you to make a decision that didn't make you happy? And the reason why that stuck out to me is my very first job out of college, I was getting paid $50,000 a year which living in New York City, that's not really that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it seemed like a lot at the time. So my judgment was partially clouded by the the money, by getting paid any amount of money, by having any opportunity presented there. So when I look back at News Corp now, and we think back to how do we connect the dots of our career, there was some stuff that made me really happy about it. I think I loved the $50,000 a month ad budget. I loved experimenting with new things. But it wasn't really something that I I enjoyed every single day as far as the general purpose of what the company represented, what I was doing. It was more of just a job. It was more of just a job. And I think that's a mistake a lot of us made. And that's something I try to advise people who recently graduated. It's like, listen, just do what you want for a little bit. And it's easy for me to say here 10 years post my career where my career is in a position that I love right now. But anyone who has the courage to push through kind of these traditional opportunities and find something that really resonates with them, like is a lot of the message behind your podcast from the sounds of it, it, those people are just going to be so far ahead. They're going to be so far ahead and they're going to be so much happier which is the most important thing for us in our career. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so we're like, tell, tell us where you were at the, like towards the end of that position. Like what, what state of mind were you in and how did, uh, uh, how did Ramit Sethi et, like enter your radar and how did the thought of even working for him enter your radar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a fun one. So I read Ramit's book in 2000, I think nine, or something like that, 2010, like right as his book came out. And there have been three books that have, have totally changed my life, that have been paradigm-shifting books in my life. The first book was 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. And I remember reading that, uh, I think it was junior year, so it was around 2009, in a park in London. I was in London for about a month uh, as part of a, a study abroad program that was kind of extended. And I remember just being like, this is crazy. Like, I didn't even know you could have a career this way. The second book uh, that totally changed my life was I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. So I remember reading that when I was a senior in college, so 2010, and being like, this is so different for how I thought about what a rich life is. Mm-hmm. And Ramit teaches that a rich life isn't just about the money. I it's love about what do we do with the money. Yeah, It's so great, right? Yeah. So that was another paradigm shifting book. And then the third book, which I believe is a book you know, is Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. Mm-hmm. So that was the third book I read that was paradigm shifting. But with Ramit specifically, I remember 
looking at Ramid, I remember looking at Tim Ferriss. And then I also remember looking at Noah Kagan, who didn't write a book, but who wrote a lot of stuff I really liked online. And just having this this hope and this want of like, I will work with all three of them at some point. I really admired all three of them, and I still do to this day. So towards the end of my time in New York, I was just so sick of New York, man. It really comes down to that. I was just so sick of New York. I had done what was safe, right? I had gotten this job out of college, and I went to school in upstate New York at Syracuse. So I would gotten this job in the same state. Everyone from Syracuse moved down to New York City, myself included. And it felt like I really wasn't taking any risks. It felt like I was just doing the safe decision. It felt like I was following this path of conventionality, which is not what I, I really truly wanted to do. <clears throat> so I decided that I want to leave New York and I decided I want to go to San Diego because I had a friend from college who loved San Diego, was born and raised in San Diego, and it always stuck out to me how much he loved that place. So I came out here with no job, only having one friend, but I just needed to get out. I was so desperate to get out of New York that that's what I did. Wow. So you quit and your I, job and you just came to San, San Diego. I did. Yeah, I did. And I uh, spent all my savings uh, on my move out and in the subsequent months trying to find a job here in San Diego, which in 2013 was tough because it was a very big biotech scene and remote working hadn't taken off. So I underestimated how challenging the job market in San Diego would be for someone like me who comes from like a product management marketing background. But then I decided to apply to a job opening with Ramit as a copywriter. And I didn't have traditional copywriting experience but I saw the listing, and not only that, but I saw that he had other opportunities available. So I looked and I said, I will apply for this copywriter job. If I don't get this copywriter job, I'm gonna apply for this email marketing specialist job, and I'm gonna do see if I can do that. And if I can't get that job, I'll just keep checking and keep applying for whatever comes up. And I managed to get the copywriter job, not because I was the most qualified necessarily, but because I loved Ramit's material, I went above and beyond in my application, and I really made it uh, like a hard push to get in the door. That yeah, I love that the um, <laughs> just trying again and again. You know, like I mean, not that you had to do it, but like the you, you're ready to do whatever it took to to get in the door, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's funny because we talk about this in AppSumo Originals. We had a team member recently when we were launching our new product, TidyCal, who was like, hey, you know, if we miss a deadline because Google hasn't improved, approved the calendar integration in time, is that okay? And I think there's, there's a larger question there to ask that relates to just like not letting stumbling blocks stop us. So my answer to that was like, just because we have to rely on Google doesn't mean we can't find people on LinkedIn to expedite the review process, which we did. So it's like a lot of people, I think, look at whether their career or business or whatever it is, they look at these things that they can make excuses for. They mm -hmm. look at these things that they can say, oh, you know what? That's out of our hands. But there's so little that's actually out of our hands in the sense of like putting in effort and doing our best. So I could live with getting denied and having my application denied for the copywriter job because I knew I was going to apply for more. And I could live with getting denied for all of that, too, as long as I put in the effort to try to get the job that I wanted to get.
Yeah. I almost feel like it's impossible to not get a job if you just <laughs> if you just commit to to not giving up, you know? It sounds so cheesy, but it's it's yeah. so true. I totally agree. I totally agree. So, um so you get the job as a copywriter. Um what uh what what was that like? Uh like what I mean, you must this was like one of your the people that was on your list that you wanted to work for absolutely, right? Um, yeah. like what was it, how, how big was the company at the time? And like, how, what was it like working with Ramit? The company at that time, man, was like probably 20 people or something like that. Like it was small, mm -hmm. it was small and it went through a few different size changes, uh, before I left. And then after I left as well, <clears throat> it went through a few different size changes. Ramit is so brilliant, right? It's really interesting to think about these personalities we see online like Ramid or Noah or these other people <clears throat> and then compare it to what they're like to work with. And Ramid is so brilliant. He is just ruthless in his, his determination. He's always, at least at the time, he was always online, always working. And I really admired that and respected that about him. For being a copywriter, I actually don't think I did a great job at that. Uh, it, it was harder than I anticipated. And I ended up shifting teams to the more kind of market research role because I, I realized that I couldn't um, do copy all day, every day. So I think it was after about six months or so, I shifted over to, to more of like a hybrid market research role, uh, figuring out what products were doing well, figuring out which customers were interacting the most, doing research on kind of the highest growth levers that we could pull. And that ended up being a, a more fun opportunity for me. And what mattered to me was, again, staying at the company. I love the company. I love what they represented. I loved what they did. And it is so cool also that they were one of the first companies that I know about that were 100% remote. So going back to 2000, I think this was 2014 when I got the job there. Going back to 2014, having my first remote job and now seeing how the paradigm has shifted for remote work, I'm like... Ramit was doing this six, seven years ago, guys. Yeah, <laughs> you got to catch up. <laughs> yeah, and, and so it's interesting. Like you, you weren't that good at copywriting. You're saying so. How do you get the job? Like, are there any, are there any, um, like backdoor <laughs> tactics that that you you employed to to kind of convince them? Yeah, the backdoor tactic was was probably just knowing Ramit's material so well. Right. So it's like I had bought Earn 1K in 2009, which mm. was one of his courses, 2010, something like that. Um, I had followed and read every single email and every single blog post he wrote over probably like a five year span because I was just so entrenched and so happy reading what he was writing. And my mind was just kind of blown by what he was writing. It really changed my perspective quite a bit on what finance and financial freedom can be. So I think just like the innate uh, kind of knowingness of, of what Ramit's style is like and how Ramit writes really separated out my application. So the lesson to take away there for backdoor stuff is there's, there's so much out there that we really enjoy, right? Like just as people, whether it's we're reading content from this certain website, we really admire this person. And looking for opportunities with those people is so obvious, right? But it's also not done as much. I'm surprised often how many people I know are like, man, I love this company or I love this person. I just read everything about them. 
and when they're asked or when I ask them, hey, like, have you ever thought about a job with them or have you applied or whatnot? The answer is always like, oh, I could never do that or I'm not qualified enough or I need this or that. And it's like, listen, I wasn't even a copywriter. I wasn't even a copywriter. And somehow I managed to, to sneak my way into one of the most exclusive companies at the time. So it's like, if I can do it, there's nothing really special about me other than I loved the content and I had somewhat of a knack for copywriting, at least enough to qualify myself, but really came down to just the love of the material and the love of what they were doing. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, yeah. it is, I have a similar story where it's like, I had no, no background, um, doing social media, um, before like getting in the door with Tom and just, I wanted the job so bad that, uh, s somehow, somehow it happened. <laughs> it's so cool, right? Yeah. It's really cool how that happens. So it, it, I will teach you to be rich. Um, it seems like you only stayed there for like, like a little over a year, right? Yeah. Um, yep. It was a little over a year. So what, what made you decide to, to leave? I think it was just time to go for, for my growth. Mm -hmm. I think it was time to go. And as I became more involved in San Diego and I met more people and, and really lay a foundation here, I found some really interesting opportunities and met some really interesting people who were creating businesses or new people that were creating businesses uh, that were leading a path that was very fascinating to me, mm -hmm. right? So the next company I found was this company called Student Loan Hero. And every month when I was in San Diego to try to make more friends because I only had one friend and I was like, listen, I gotta meet people or do something, otherwise I'm gonna go crazy. Uh, I reached out to people every single month that I found on LinkedIn or that I found interesting. And I just said, Hey, like you look interesting. I moved here. <laughs> let's, really? let's grab a coffee. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Something like that. Yeah. And I found this guy and this, this goes to show again, like luck is created, right? Like serendipity often happens when we put ourselves in situation. But I met this amazingly talented entrepreneur who was a co-founder of a company called Student Loan Hero. And he had since exited the company, but he was still friends with the, the current CEO at that time, as well as uh, the management team. And I found him and I saw the company and it looked awesome. And then I saw they had an opportunity uh, on their website <clears throat> and I got the intro. And I think it was another writer position. And I got on the phone with the CEO and he was like, listen, I, I don't know if you should be a writer here. Like, it seems like you might actually have more marketing experience based on what you did at Fox Corporation. So I was able to create my own role, which was really exciting. And that was, again, because tracing back the through line, it's like we see people get these career opportunities and we wonder how we did it. Tracing back the through line, it's because I found a co-founder who had exited and I found that co-founder who had exited because I was reaching out to people on LinkedIn every single month for like 10 months, six months, whatever amount of time it was. A lot of them ignored me. Some of them I had coffee with and never talked again. And the occasional one like this person I had coffee with and it formed a friendship. And it made it really easy for me to get my foot in the door with his former company. That's so cool. The uh, Yeah, the, yeah. the connecting on LinkedIn and actually, I, I don't know a lot of people that actually connect in, in real life after connecting on LinkedIn, you know, so that's, so you're just, yeah. you're just finding people like on the suggested or whatnot, or looking at like maybe your feed and then, and, and then just sending them a message, huh? 
Yeah, yeah. And tactically, it was a different time, right? This was 2000, I don't even know, 16 or something like that. Yeah. So it was before LinkedIn became this just like disaster like it is now where everyone's just sending LinkedIn connection requests. However, what I also did, and this is something I learned from Ramit, is like you can put in 10% more effort or even 1% more effort and differentiate yourself 1% of the way to get disproportionate results. Mm Mm-hmm. So I get LinkedIn requests. I'm sure you do all the time. That's just like this person I've never heard of that has <clears throat> no connection with me and they don't even add a note. They don't even add like a custom note. So I'm just like, of course, I'm going to deny this person. Mm. And sometimes if I'm really annoyed at the connection request and I've been getting too many that week and I'm having a bad week, I'll just mark it as spam. <laughs> <laughs> so what I did with this person, my buddy Evan, <clears throat> is I actually sent him a a message that was personalized. So it wasn't a message just like, hey, Evan, you look interesting, let's connect. It was like, hey, Evan, my name is David. I just moved to San Diego. I see that you've worked for this company, which looks super cool. I see that you've consulted for this company, which I've actually known about for a while. Can I buy you a coffee sometime? So it was like a very kind of personal ask. Mm -hmm. And it was a very simple ask. And again, it's not going to work every time. It didn't work every time for me. But luckily with my friend Evan, he was really kind and, and, and courteous and gave me some of his time. And that's how the relationship blossomed to get to the point where I got the job at Student Loan Hero. Beautiful. And then you were the first marketing hire there, right? Yeah, I was the first full-time marketer. I was the first full-time marketer, employee number 11, and we eventually became a 40, 50 person company that sold to Lending Tree for $60 million cash, which was very exciting. Wow. So it was cool to be part of that roller coaster and see what it's like to build a company. Any highlights from, uh, from, from being the first marketer there and just like building up the team and I mean the company as well? So many highlights. There were so many highlights. There, there's some really interesting things that I'll point out for, for the listeners when they think about creating a business specifically. So the reason why Student Loan Hero was successful is because they helped people refinance their student loans. Mm -hmm. And they specifically wrote one blog post about the best banks to refinance student loans with that just like went, went gangbusters on Google, just had so much SEO juice. And what's interesting about that business is I would never say during my time working for Student Loan Hero, and I, I did leave right before the acquisition, um, which uh, I heard the acquisition, there there was kind of some chaos, so I'm not going to speak to the stuff that I wasn't around for. But during the time I was there, I never really worked that hard. <laughs> and by that, I mean, like, I never felt like really stressed. Like, we we did our work, we had like deliverables. But we were just on a rocket ship. We were on a rocket ship. That is the best example of a company I've ever seen in my life that has the most insane product market fit, just like possible. So when we think about businesses, what I take away from Student Loan here and a huge highlight is like if you can identify a product market fit for your product or service and you hit on that product market fit and you find people that really need your service and they're willing to pay for it, in the case of Student Loan Hero, people desperately wanted to refinance their student loans. It was a hot market. We had a blog post that just hit the the virality marker. Then your business will be successful, and you don't even really have to try that hard. 
you don't have to put in like 100 hour weeks. You can just put in standard 40 hour weeks and everything is is just going to skyrocket. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, you always hear about like product market fit. It's like you you know it when you have it, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a great yeah. story to exemplify that. Yeah. And that is, you know, it's always striving for, for perfection. Yeah. Right. With product market fit and there are always different kind of nuances, but to go back to like an athlete and to go back to just like being an athlete yeah. and to, to kind of think about just what it's like, it's like for an athlete to think about that perfect game. Yeah. Right. To think about that perfect game. And they're always striving for like completing all their passes or going four for four and hitting four home runs and stealing four bases. And it's a pipe dream, but every once in a while, like maybe once in their career, they have that perfect game. Yeah. And student loan here, I think to a lot of us that were on the team were, it was really that perfect game for the two years I was there. It was like a perfect game. And you know, it, there's a lot of luck involved in that, but focusing as a business owner or as an entrepreneur or someone who wants to create a business focusing on product market fit the payoff is just so huge when you get it so it's so important to think of when we release anything who is my market how do i differentiate how am i unique why would they buy this things like that are all kind of tangential answers to what product market fit is mm -hmm. um and so i think it's 2018 around that time or 2017 maybe you 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 left the company right it was you you left you actually left right before they got acquired right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep they still bought out all my equity really and i found out about the acquisition when i was in norway with a buddy for a couple of weeks i got a call at like 11 p.m norway time because they needed us to sign and execute our our sell orders so that was a very, very uh, crazy experience, just being like, oh, my God, I'm in Norway. I'm not at the company. Wait, we sold? What's going on? <laughs> and the goal of the company, and I also really admire that we had this from day one, the goal of the company was very clear. So the CEO from day one was like, we want to sell this company for $100 million. Oh, wow. This is a company that we want to exit at some point and sell. So there was no surprise or, or kind of uh, – like chaos surrounding like oh my god we're selling why why are we selling i never knew this was going to happen there was real clear expectations from day one and they got pretty close to their goal with the 60 million dollar sale that was cash with with little contingencies um it really like it, it lined up for them so lesson to be learned there when we set goals and we work towards our goals and we work backwards from our goals to accomplish what we want to accomplish it might take years. In the case of Student Loan here, I believe it was seven years from when the idea first started, including a business pivot, to the sale of, of the business. But uh, but it often works out in the end. Yeah, and it seems like they didn't uh, get that much investment, right? I mean, they, it was only like a little couple rounds of seed fund, two rounds of seed funding, it seemed like. So yeah, I mean, cash out was probably pretty, pretty profitable. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so did, did you leave because you want to start your own company? I left because I was working with Noah. Actually. Okay. So this is where, this is where the Noah stuff comes in. So what had happened was, uh, early on in my time with student loan here, I'd been introduced to Noah through a friend. And again, it goes back to building the network. I'd met this friend who introduced me to Noah when I was working for a I was doing market research for one of our products 
this product called Call to Action mm -hmm. for Remit. And I found these different buckets of users, users who had used a product a lot, a little, medium. And one of the users who had used a product a lot, I reached out to, I called him and I asked some questions and turned out he lived in San Diego and we built a rapport. He worked for HubSpot. He's one of my best friends in the world now. So that connection really grew. And he introduced me to Noah. And when I was at student loan here, I was so happy and I was like, listen, I don't, I'm good. No, like I don't, I don't want to change anything. I'm good. But Noah is very persistent, which is another great trait of an entrepreneur. He's very persistent. And uh, I started doing some work for him on the side, so some consulting work with his brand. And then eventually it got to the point where he was like, hey, I want you to come run King Sumo. And then King Sumo turned into King Sumo and Senfox, and now uh, it's turned into the entire AppSumo Originals team. But my time with Noah has been the best time. hes I couldn't think of a more ideal person to work with. I Truly just incredible. I have so much love and respect for him. Um, to give me a chance, like you and I have talked about with you and, and Tom and your experience, to take someone who is the head of email marketing uh, at a company and really, in many ways, a glorified marketing manager at Student Loan Hero and be like, hey, I trust you to run this business it was kind of stupid on his part. <laughs> it was really not the smartest thing. But he saw something in me that I didn't even quite see in myself. Although I really always wanted to be an entrepreneur, I always wanted to run a business, he trusted me. And I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but it's gotten to the point where we've we've created some pretty cool things together. And we have a lot more in the future that we want to create together. So I want to come back to the GM stuff uh, in a little bit. But um, sure. When like you you said you started doing some consulting stuff on his brand was that on on the podcast and also I, I want to hear more yeah. about um like how he pursued you like how how did he wear you down <laughs> to saying yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, well, it was interesting because again like w one of the people I always wanted to work for was Noah and I remember seeing Noah speak in New York City in 2009 I think it was something like that 2010 actually but reading Noah's blog okay dork for years. At this point, I've probably known Noah for like 15 years, known him in the sense of like, I know his, his writing and his material and all that stuff. And I really admired him, really respected his authenticity and his vulnerability in a space where we, as, as kind of like online personalities, we try to curate as much as we can. And we try to give the appearance of perfection. Noah's just like, Here, here's who I am. Like, here's who I am. And mm -hmm. I really admired that. Yeah. He went down a different path, which was really admirable. So my friend introduced me and I was like, hey, I'm not looking at for anything right now. Uh, and he was like, OK, that's fine. And he's like, what would you want to do? What would you be interested in doing? And I was like, well, you know what? I would love to actually maybe help your blog at some point, just like with some marketing optimization stuff. So like helping write marketing copy, helping do pop ups. But that's really like a few hours a month type thing. Um, and then it got to the point where he was like, okay, like I could use your help on the side. Let's, let's try it out do it for free. And I love that. I, it, it actually, I would do that for free anytime. And it got to the point where Noah was like, listen, I want to pay you. And I'm like, let me just do this for free a little bit longer. <laughs> I just want to finish out this month because like, I just, I don't care. I, I love what I'm doing to help you. I love what I'm doing at student loan here. I'm just happy right now. Uh, and then as time went on, I got more responsibility with the blog and the podcast, similar to what the amazing Mitchell does right now. But 
Uh, I, I did less than he's doing. <laughs> he's doing a killer job. He is. And as, as time continued, I started helping with some of his stuff at Sumo. So the, the business Sumo.com at that time. And then it became apparent to me that I hit a growth ceiling at Student Loan Hero. So being head of email marketing, marketing manager, uh, some other acquisition channels, kind of like a hybrid role, what I really wanted to do was run a business. What I really wanted to do was take on more responsibility to come up with the products, to come up with ideas, to lead a team. And I couldn't do that at, at Student Loan Hero. So... What's um what's fascinating to me about like the role that you have now um for AppSumo Originals is like I almost uh, I want to describe it as like entrepreneur in residence, you know, where it's like you're basically <laughs> that, you're basically an entrepreneur within the company, right? Like you get paid to start these company and run these companies, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. When you put it that way, it's just crazy. Like I was on I was talking to Noah yesterday. Um, as we kind of recap some tiny cow stuff and I was like, you just paid me and the entire team for a month to create a product tidy cow that I wanted. It was like, I went to Noah and I was like, Hey, I think we should create this product because like, I'm just so sick of paying Calendly or like the confusion of calendar apps. And then there was more to it, of course, where it was like, how did similar products perform on AppSumo? Is there a market for it potentially? Um, a whole process goes into that. But what it came down to was like, I wanted this and Noah just let me pay an entire team and was just like, okay, go do it for a month. It's crazy. That's crazy. I have the best job in the world. It's really <laughs> it blows my mind that I'm allowed to do this. Don't tell anyone I'm allowed to do this. I don't want to lose it. <laughs> so how, how does someone create their dream job like that? Oh boy. I wish I had the answer for you, Jeremy. I wish I had the answer. So, I, I do think part of it is it takes time, mm-hmm. right? It takes time. So again, I'm 10 years out of college, right? And I've had a few jobs that haven't quite hit the mark or they've worked for a, a certain amount of time and then they've become no longer in my best interests or in the company's best interests. And there's a lot of swinging, a lot of misses or a lot of kind of like singles or doubles trying to go for the home run. So for me, uh, the biggest observation I have on how I got here is I tried as much as possible to to be courageous and make decisions that are courageous towards like what makes me happiest, right? So moving to San Diego was risk, but it, it made me happy, or I thought it would make me happy. At least it would make me happier than being in New York was what I thought. <laughs> that turned out to absolutely be true. I love it in San Diego. Uh saying yes to opportunities, right? And reaching out to friends and trying to get the connections, right? It's like I managed to get the student loan hero job, which was an unreal opportunity because I reached out to people. So it's like there's so much fear and trepidation in trying to build a career and so much traditionality on trying to build a career. But if we just take like one extra risk a year or, or a couple extra risks a month or whatever it is, it's like those really compound. They compound. And I, I don't think people see it as like this compounding opportunity as much as they see it as like, oh, I do this one thing and it's not going to matter. But the compounding element is, I think, how I got to where I am now. Mm. And of course, there's luck along the way and 
it could have very much not worked out. And I, again, I'm forever grateful for Noah taking an opportunity and chance on me that he probably shouldn't have <laughs> because <laughs> at the time I wasn't qualified, but it worked out really well for both of us. And there is this, this realization and opportunity that he had. And I was like, okay, I think I can do this. And then he was like, no dude, like you can definitely do this. Like believe. And now it's, it's really a collaboration with Noah where I'm like, Hey, I think we should do this. And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, no, I think we should do this. And we sometimes do it or we sometimes don't do it, but it's a great chance. Yeah. I mean, you guys have launched so many products. So like, how, how, <laughs> how, 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 like, how, how does that work? Um, like, I think the, I mean, the biggest one is uh send Fox, right? Before that it was King Sumo, yep. but like, can you, can you tell us a little yep. bit about how that's been like just starting these companies within another company, um, like the little <laughs> team you guys have going and just all the logistics yeah. behind. Yeah. The, the why is really important. The why is really important, right? So when we think about the AppSumo originals team, which to your point is kind of like this Google X division or the skunk works division mm -hmm. where we're trying to create these, these next opportunities. The general purpose for us in 2021 is to create these business ideas, to create these affordable products that are very similar to Netflix originals or Amazon basics, mm -hmm. where they serve this larger purpose of building the AppSumo and Sumo group reputation and size and scale, right? So it's like you think of Netflix and you hear about Stranger Things and then it's like, oh man, Stranger Things is awesome. I can only get it on Netflix. So Stranger Things is great, which makes Netflix great. And then Netflix makes Stranger Things great because they have such a large footprint. So it's like this cyclical symbiotic relationship. And that's kind of how it is for us. So understanding the why is so critical. I do uh, calls every once in a while with startups that seem interesting that reach out to me. And one of the things I, I see so often is these companies don't know their why or they don't have a clear goal. Mm -hmm. So uh, you can go to them, and this is a great thing to ask oneself or to ask anyone who runs a company. And it's like, what's your goal for this year? And sometimes they'll, they'll hem and haw and be like, oh, you know, I don't know, to be more successful, to like make more money. And that makes it really challenging to build a business. Like our goal for AppSumo Originals this year for our Skunk Works division is to drive a certain number of new customers into the AppSumo ecosystem through our products. So people buying SendFox or TidyCal or KingSumo on AppSumo that have never bought from AppSumo before. So we're essentially getting new users, new customers into the AppSumo ecosystem. And having that frame makes it much easier for me to think about what types of products we wanna create. So I can then use a framework to look at what's done well on AppSumo in the past, what I think would do well on mm -hmm. AppSumo, what things I'm excited about. So there's kind of this formulaic approach where it's like excitement plus potential revenue impact plus virality opportunity plus uh, ease to create, something like that. But it all kind of stems from the goal. And when we have an understanding of what our goal is, what our why is, then we understand what we want to create and what we want to build. That's a really cool concept. It's kind of like building building a flywheel for, for AppSumo, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of truth to that. That's right. And as the GM, like, what do you do? Are you pretty much like, like, <laughs> are, are you the CEO of these companies? <laughs> um, I guess in some ways, in some ways. I don't know, man. Like, titles to me are so interesting. Like, 
I do. I try to do what I love to do. And what I love to do is I love to come up with ideas. And what I see as my responsibility is helping support our team. And we have, I think, about 10 team members right now on the AppSumo Originals team. Trying to support our team to be the best that they can be and trying to make it easier for them. So, for example, in January, I had three things that I wanted to do. And every month, I've I've kind of written this down in the past, but this month I'm I'm taking it more seriously, and I think it's it's actually better this year. I wrote three things in January. So as a GM, I was like, what are the three biggest things I'm responsible for? And the first thing I wrote down was launch a new product by the end of January. That was something that Noah and I said we should do. So that was what I wanted to make sure we did. The second thing is figure out the support team infrastructure. So we had a support team member leave on great terms. She just had an opportunity for a local company in in London. Uh, So knowing that we were down a person, I wanted to help step in. And she was one of our more experienced team members. I wanted to help step into our support team and make sure that the support team was supported in the way they needed to be. Mm -hmm. And the processes were in place for them to be okay, even with her gone. And then the third thing was to prepare for our second product to start thinking about what our second product is. So as a GM, it's my responsibility to do a lot of different things, right? To help define the strategy, to help think about the marketing, to help think about how our team is, to do bug reporting sometimes, to test our product out. And it really varies on the size of the business or, or the size of the product or the company or whatever. There are a lot of nuances. But in my general role as GM, it's really setting this strategy and outline and then helping in whatever ways need to be helped to accomplish that. So we have our goal of driving these new users. What did I think in January would help most with that? It was those three things I just listed. Mm. What do I think will help the most in February? Some different things. So it really does change. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped to see all the products you guys release this year. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. I'm excited to to share them with you. What have been your your biggest lessons from working with Noah? Mm. Noah's taught me so many things. So many things. He he's really taught me how to be like a really I would say loving and compassionate leader is the most important thing. And and not only that, I think the reason I have so much respect for him is because He's taught me what it's like to be not a leader, not only in business, but in life, right? In life. So it's like, how can I lead better in life? So the, the, the instinctual trust that Noah has in people to do their job. And Noah's often said, like, my, his job is to, like, set a framework or set bumper rails and then be like, okay, go do it. Go do, go accomplish it however you want. So for my job, that's basically like, okay, I go to Noah and I say, this is what I want for our goal for 2021. And he's like, okay, go do it. Like, go accomplish it how you want to accomplish it. And I need to make sure like our, our P&L is okay. So we have like enough money to, to support our team, which is the oxygen of any business. But I've learned what it's really like to be a leader, what it's really like to be a leader. And it, there's so much more than that. Like having worked with Noah for three, four years now at this point uh, and talking to him almost every day in some capacity, typically, there's like so many nuances to that. But really how to be a leader 
is is probably the biggest thing I've learned. Mm, yeah, and that really comes through. I mean, from from the little interactions we've had, like, and how, what I see in Slack <laughs> and stuff, like you, I mean, you've definitely uh, struck me as a leader that leads with empathy and um, amazing at lifting your team up. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, you know, we, we all have our strengths and we all have things that we, we do well at. Um, and there are so many people that have been successful in so many different categories with so many different personality types that I think finding what we can each bring to the table is, is a real challenge. And I'm trying to still figure out what that is. And I'm still trying to grow as a leader, as I will to the day I die. I mean, I love building companies. I love doing what I'm doing. So I'm hopeful that I'll keep learning for another, say, 70 years, get to 100. That sounds like mm -hmm. a good number. Yep. <laughs> and I, I was curious what, um, like right now you're, I mean, you're successfully starting companies inside another company, right? Um, do you think that at some point you'll want to start your own company? Or I, I kind of wanted to discuss like the kind of the pros, yeah. of, pros and cons, because I know at some point like you've wanted to start a company, mm -hmm. right? Um, so like I want to discuss kind of yeah. like the, 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 the pros and cons of, of both options, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, right. Or like run a business. And I remember writing that down when I was really young, I think it was like third or fourth grade. There was this activity they had us do. And I wrote down, I want to be an entrepreneur, or run a business. What I think is interesting about that question is like, what is it about being an entrepreneur, running a business that I love. So is it just running a business for running a business sake to do it? Not really, not really. That's not really what it's about. When I look at that more closely and when any of us look at the things we want, right, these things we want to accomplish, it's interesting to break it down. So what I want is I want the freedom to create things I enjoy with people that I enjoy creating them with. And that's what I do at AppSumo Originals. That's what I do. It's like, Noah's just like, okay, go do it. And he's, he's so supportive. He gives great advice that makes me better. So it, there might be an opportunity for me to create my own business maybe someday. But like, to me, this is kind of my own business. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's my ownership in a lot of ways of the products. Um, and Noah will tell me that too. He's like, listen, this is your thing. Like you, you own it. You, you get to make the decisions. So on the surface of like being involved in another company, it might not seem like I get to get to accomplish what I want to by being an entrepreneur and running a business. But when I look at the why I actually enjoy those things of being with people I really enjoy working with, creating products I actually enjoy, uh, this hits on it perfectly. Mm -hmm. This hits on it perfectly. So this is where I want to be. This is where I am. And this is where I want to be for a long time. And maybe that'll change someday, but I'm, I'm good. Yeah, that's what no no another thing Noah's great at is is um I mean his his tagline own it, right? And just um make <laughs> making you feel like his business is our business, you know? That's I mean that's been that's been huge for me as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh where can uh, people find you online? Uh so most importantly, buy our products. Buy our Absumo Originals products so I can keep paying our team. <laughs> uh, you can find us at tidycal.com, our newest product. So if you want a simpler, more affordable calendar solution, kind of like Calendly, then check us out. 
sendfox.com, which is like MailChimp for content creators, yeah. and then kingsumo.com, which is viral giveaways to help you grow your email list, get more customers uh, with a very, very cool marketing channel. And then my personal blog, dmkthinks.org. I don't really post there that much, but if you want to check out old posts, go for it. <laughs> check it out. All check right, out. man. Thanks. Thanks uh, for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is such a pleasure, and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. I put out a new interview every week. And until next time, have a good week.